game time. You're listening to the House League Heroes podcast with your hosts, Riley Barton and Tanner Chuby. Follow the guys on Instagram at underscore Riley Barton underscore and Tanner C-H-U-B-E-Y. And welcome back to episode eight of the House League Heroes podcast. My name's Riley Barton and I'm joined by Tanner. We're back. It's episode number eight. We remember the episode before we started recording this time, like the true professionals we are, the House League heroes. The House League heroes. We claim to be Riley, man. It's uh, it's been a while since we chatted. How's your week been? It's been pretty good. It was uh, we had some nice weather here, so it was it was nice. We had a we had a big storm this week. Uh, rolled through. There were some tornadoes in southern Saskatchewan, and then uh, went strong winds here, blowing trees and decks apart, and it was oh fun. Yeah, it was, and then I got caught in the fucking rain at work, and oh man, it was, it was a, not a fun week for weather, but we're here, and of course the day that I'm off, it looks pretty nice out, which is good to see. Nice. We have a lot of hockey to talk about, a lot of stuff happened here in the last week, got some playoffs to talk about, we got some awards uh, handed out, some more nominees announced, which oh my god, I, there's one we desperately need to talk about because it <laughs> pissing me off um we'll just start with the tampa bay lightning and new york islanders series they had game number four yesterday the lightning were up 2-1 in the series the islanders go up three nothing early not early in the game but they got the first three goals and then the lightning strike back with two quick ones Braden point now with nine goals in his last 10 games, I think we talked about this last week about how he just seems to always score in the most clutch situations. And then we have, quite frankly, save of the year, and it's not even from a goaltender. <laughs> what did you, man, I, I couldn't catch the end of the game, but what did you think of that yeah. Ryan Pollock so stop? For, like, I'm not sure if you know this, but anyone else listening... Um... A friend of mine uh, is actually cousins with uh, Ryan Pulak, and he texted their family group chat right after and was basically like, I guess I'm a hero in New York now. <laughs> <laughs> he is, man. That, um, that in- single-handedly saved them. Oh, if that was a goal, too, like that play, there was no way that was not coming out as a highlight play either way. So that was awesome. And yeah, desperation, save the playoffs. That would have probably ended the islanders you blew a three nothing lead your team is known for its defense and not being able to get scored on you let in three unanswered you'd be going to overtime against the lightning you'd lose with the potential to lose both at nassau coliseum and then have to go play in tampa to try and stay alive that was probably one that'll be the most clutch moment of his career unless he scores like a <laughs> the stanley cup winning goal but that was absolutely insane yeah. That that one's huge, and to just now split the the series two two, they're they're looking great, and this is shaping out to be interesting. What have you thought about the series so far? Because I think it's kind of what we expected it to be. The Lightning are out shooting, and I, I you know what? I won't even say they're out playing them, but the the Islanders again, they just don't really like to shoot the puck lots. <laughs> yeah, they're just sticking to their plan. Tampa's playing to their plan, and the teams are pretty evenly matched because of it right now. What have you thought? about the goaltending between both sides you know i think um the islanders have really shown that vasilevsky is human um he can be broken you can score goals on him uh which is huge for them especially for that team that doesn't 
you know, isn't shooting the puck all the time to be scoring on the chances they get is big, especially against Vasilevsky. So on that side, I think that's good. And then Varley's just been playing incredible for the Islanders. We have a best of three, essentially, now. The series is tied 2-2. I think we both said this was going seven. Who do you feel has the edge now coming out of that game two win? Because you got to think the Islanders might be shaking a little bit with how close that came to being disaster, essentially. Yeah, I think that what like was a huge win because I think if uh, Tampa picked up that momentum off of that win there and they started to get rolling, that might have been catastrophic. So now I still think Tampa does have the edge knowing that they can come back when they need to. But um, yeah, so I'd say Tampa still has the edge right now. When I turned on my TV, I saw the shots in the first period, and it was 8-2 to two Tampa. And I looked, and I was, yep, didn't expect anything less. Maybe more shots for the Lightning, but kind of how I figured the first period was going to go for an Islanders game. And I said right then and there, they're getting the first goal. And they ended up getting the first three. Just, it still blows my mind how they can play that way, that style of hockey. And just, because they're not... Besides Barzell, who is a star, like a flashy star on that team that can just take over a game? I mean, not really anyone. Bouvelier's been really showing up, like, and Peugeot. I think I said that last week, but they're still not flashy or, like, putting the game yeah, they're, on their back. they're right? not, you know, they're not your marquee stars like a Kucherov or no. a Stamkos or a Point, and yet they just continue to find ways to chip around, chip away at teams and find weaknesses, and I really, man... I we need to see Nassau Coliseum in the finals. I think we do. That'd I, be great. Oh, that place would it would burn <laughs> down either way, win or lose. It's probably gonna go over the ground. I did want to bring up. I think this is a problem with the NHL. The, so the Lightning challenged a goal that on an offside, an offside challenge um, when the Islanders entered the zone, 53 seconds before the goal went in. What do you think of that? I don't. I know that rule needs to be changed to some degree, um, obviously, because it gets exploited, but I, I don't really see what they do with it. I know like most people that I talk to hate that rule, so it, it's weird. <laughs> Seriously, if you're, if you're looking by the slimmest inch, right, for one is stupid enough. I think that I personally think it should almost just be gone completely, unless it's like Blatant. hard you blatantly obvious it's offside right but if you're counting like to the nearest millimeter or whatever looking for that and let alone they were in the zone for 53 seconds you know like tampa that's that's like two shifts yeah. in the nhl if and you really when you think about it back yeah you know get the puck out of your zone i i don't think you're gonna blame that they were over the line by an inch that that goal went in no you couldn't clear the zone they just yeah they were better they found a way to exploit your defense and put the puck in the back of the net now it's different if it's seven feet offside right because ref what are you doing chance yeah but exactly but i i hate that stupid rule and the reviews take forever and oh there's so much stuff they could do to clean up that rule like i even when it comes to reviewing it if you can't come to a conclusive decision in under a minute call stands yeah seriously it should got be like that that deeply no like the game just needs to keep moving and it kills it's boring mm-hmm. <laughs> it ruins the it ruins the game of hockey so i don't know i just wanted to touch on that it's a stupid rule in the nhl i'm glad the goal stood um because it looked like he was onside anyways i mean it was pretty close 
Um, anything else you wanted to, to add on this series before we move on? No, I'm just excited now. I'm ready for this to go with a, all seven and see what happens. Oh, man, it's going to be tight in these teams. Uh, I think some blood is boiling over from last year, too. Things are starting to get physical and chippy. And, yeah, game, game five is going to be an absolute barn burner. Well, let's move on to the Knights versus the Habs because there's lots of stuff going on in this series. Do we want do we want to start off with uh goal of the year by Flurry? <laughs> I you know what I want to start off with real quick actually is how you jinx every team when you give them the not the the opposite of the benefit of the doubt. Every time you say you you're going to give them that much hope, the team always just stands up for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, but that, I think that's hilarious. Um and man, <laughs> I feel bad for Flurry, but oh. like, you can't do that. Well, and word came out today that Robin Lehner is now in the starters net for game yeah. uh, game four tonight, oh, yeah. which... They invested in a backup goalie for a reason, and mm-hmm. it's not a bad move, and Fleury can use the break, right? Like, that's a tough night to yeah. come off of, so... That's an interesting decision from DeBoer. Like, would that... You know, he's you've run with Flurry all playoffs, right? He's been fantastic, I'd say. He's had some iffy goals. I remember the one in Colorado, Brennan Sod, where he tried reaching across with his glove to his blocker side. Um, but he's been consistent for you throughout these playoffs. Do you, does that maybe kind of ruin his confidence? I mean, Flurry's a veteran, right? He's been in the league forever. I'm sure he can shake off a bad goal. Yeah, I I don't think that bothers him at all. To be honest, um, from what I'm, what I've heard, he is like a locker room guy, and I believe I forget who was talking about this, but uh, him and Laner have a great relationship. It sounds yeah. like they haven't ever contested, so I, I'm sure he'll be okay with it when he gets th- if he gets thrown back in or whatever happens. Speaking of Robin Laner, the last time he played was Game One versus the Avs and got lit up, and I th- it was kind of came out, you know, they were giving Flurry some rest, and you know, ended up backfire in the game but in the series it probably was the better it was probably the right choice because flurry was great in that series against colorado um we're not expecting laner to let in seven goals again i don't think no i i think he's gonna be solid i i like him a lot um i, I in my opinion i think he should be a starter so oh 100 percent. i yeah. really wish chicago would have kept him man he was single-handedly winning us games he was the only guy that showed up every night which yeah so um, i think i think they should be pretty comfortable with putting in Leonard as long as they can play how they have been teams would kill to be in the position bags is in right now two backup goalies or two starting goalies goalies, and you can just run with whichever one you want yeah that's a pretty lucky situation i don't know how they ended up like that but (laughs) Like, oh, the fact Chicago got nothing back for Laner pisses yeah. me off. But what are, what are you going to do? Um, so, yeah, Flurry had the bobble. Laner is now in the net. Dominic Ducharme, Montreal Canadiens head coach, who is going to be back next year because look at where the team is now. And it seems the players have bought into whatever he's selling. He will be out. He has to quarantine now for 14 days, testing positive for COVID-19. Now, if this isn't for the fact that there was an agreement with the federal government, the Canadian government, to let the teams cross the borders, and he tests positive, do you think this is even... Do you even think he's quarantining? Because, for one, I feel like the states don't care, and two, like, with these vaccines, right, 
isn't life's got to go back to normal at some point <laughs> yeah i don't know um I, it's tough for the team obviously but i think they're gonna be okay without him it's just kind mm-hmm. of a weird rule that they still have like this weird middle ground yeah where, you know you still have to follow the rules but like do you really have to follow the rules especially if because you are it, vaccinated and stuff because yeah i think all all teams are double vaxxed at this point from what i've read and heard i i just you know life's got to go back to normal and that has to be something with it had to be in agreement with the Canadian government, something, mm-hmm. right? You know, because I was watching the Lightning and Islanders yesterday, right? And Cooper had his mask on. That was probably just like a decision he made or whatever. But Trotz didn't have one. Mm-hmm. Trotz decided not to wear. So it's probably like, okay, well, we don't care about that series, right? You guys are both from the states. Whatever restrictions are starting to get eased a lot easier down here. So I don't know. It's tough for the canadians and then luke richardson running the bench now for the habs and got a win uh in game three a comeback win for the canadians did help that flurry completely bobbled the puck behind his net mm-hmm. and then it was josh anderson overtime by the way i can't remember who gave that pass to him but man that was sexy was god that was a nice pass but yeah that was gorgeous absolutely psyched out flurry um, what have you thought about this series? Because game three went to the halves, they take a two one series lead, and really they only won because of price. But they did not deserve to win game three at all. No. I think that Montreal, though they're being outplayed, obviously, they're every opportunity they are getting, they're capitalizing on it. And that's huge. Mm-hmm. And Vegas needs to lock it down a little bit more. They they need to calm down. I think they maybe underestimated Montreal a little bit. Um, especially in the net, because that is, as we've seen, their problem before. But yeah, they they need to lock it down. They need to start capitalizing on their opportunities that they're getting, and they need to stop Montreal from doing the same. Yeah, almost. It almost feels like they're getting a little bit of Demko fever last year. You've brought this up a lot of the time, and it's a great point about how they kind of just lost their confidence last year when they couldn't score on Demko. And I I think if you're the Knights, you're not worried. You were down two nothing to the Avs. And yeah. they stuck to their system, right? They just once they solved Grubauer, it was all Vegas, and yeah. the Avs just couldn't keep up. If they can do that with Price, and again, I said it all the time, he's when he sees the puck, he's arguably the best goalie in the world, right there with Vasilevsky. When he's got people in front of him and can't see, just another goalie, man. Yeah, he just he just gotta get in front of him and credit to montreal they do a great job of keeping that middle slot clear yeah and they're playing they're playing some good hockey i think if uh leonard is playing how he can play because we've seen him be shut down quite a few times Mm -hmm. if he plays like that i think they're gonna get enough time to figure out price and find a way to cap off this series yeah it's not like the the knights have to worry about them getting scored on lots either because they have a vesna finalist this year who you know isn't playing tonight? And the Vesna finalist from I think a year or two ago. Yeah. Sorry, going in the net. Siri again every week. <laughs> She's back. <laughs> Special guest Siri, welcome to the show. We're throwing the phone. I, I need it for show stuff later yeah. on, but <laughs> damn it. Um, if you're the Knights, I don't worry about goaltending and just I think they just have to stick to their game. They know they've been in way worse spots in this playoffs. I mean, they were in a do or die versus Minnesota. They were down two nothing to. A, the presence trophy team 
I, I don't think there's nothing much to worry about here. Agreed. Con- uh, what last thing? Do you have anything to, to add before we we move on? No. Also, just excited for the next game. I I don't know. I'm not as excited for this series as I am for the other one. But if this does keep going though, like if this gets to six or seven games, mm-hmm. it, it, I I'm then gonna be excited because Montreal right now the the city's looking crazy. Like they could definitely pull a Vancouver. Oh at the end of man. This. this there could easily be. Um, some bad news in the city after this series. There was talk they were going to go 100% capacity, weren't they? Yeah. Like for fans? <laughs> they were going to go from like 2,500 to almost 18,000 or something just with how well they're doing. And yeah. you know what? Go for it. That'd be cool. But, you know, if everyone can stay safe, but it's, <laughs> yeah, that city will burn too. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be the only reason I want to see them in the final because i'd like to see a canadian city go to the ground it'd be neat um so moving on officiating has been a big talking point this off season and not in a good way not in a good light a lot of people complaining about it fans coaches players should i saw a post and i want to get your opinion on this should referees have to answer to the media after the game should there be a post-game press conference for referees i think the refs definitely need something in that um area they need to be held accountable and not just behind closed doors where no one sees it because then it how much credibility does that have right Mm -hmm. so i think there should be some sort of public um thing for the refs to be put on blast and you know there's people a majority of people are smart right they know refs are human they know they make mistakes you're gonna get the stupid twitter warriors or whatever that just say they don't know how to do their job yada yada yeah yeah if you i think a lot of people would respect and admire if even like refs you know just in the post game and they had to answer for some of the stuff they did right and even if they just came out and said I made a bad call, right? I saw what I saw. I called what I seen. And that's just how it is. Like, I made a mistake. I think a lot of people would respect that. And probably, I mean, again, in the heat of a moment when your team loses a a big game maybe off it. But I think people could maybe swallow that pill a little easier, do you think? Yeah, probably. I just, like, it would be nice to just see a more human side of them. Because I've seen, like, the few mic'd up videos that they do. And they seem like great guys most of the rest like they seem very professional and like they they know what they're doing so it would be nice to get some like like some clearance right just to see what is actually going on in those moments and and even players seem like they like them in those mic'd up videos like they're always chatting you know how's so and so doing and stuff so yeah i think there there has to be accountability for some of the stuff because some of the times you get these calls and there's no you have hockey fans in there wondering what's going on or why the call was made and there's no one to answer for it. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I personally think they should have to answer to the media post game, not to, to scold them or anything, but there has to be some accountability held. So moving on, we had the GM nominees come out GM of the year. We had Bill Zito in Florida Lulan Morello in New York for the Islanders, and Mark Bergevin of the Montreal Canadiens. Now, I want to paint a scenario here for you. <laughs> You're a GM. You have you are the GM of the defending Stanley Cup champions. You have kept your team together 
and made the NHL look like absolute clowns manipulating your way around the cap. Like absolute gymnastics, what you've done, okay? Another general manager. This time in the other conference, you signed the best free agent on the market last year at a decent price. His name's Alex Petrangelo. He's a very good right-handed defenseman. I don't know if you've heard of him. Your team is going into what? Their third conference final in four years of existing. They've existed for four years. And then you have another GM who finished 18th place in the regular season. By the way, top 16 teams essentially make the playoffs for, for reference. Fans and people thought you were gone after game four and round one. But voting doesn't take place till the end of round two on GM of the year. Which GM do you think got the nomination, Riley, for GM of the year out of those three GMs I just named? Oh, uh, man. I, I don't know how that happens. And why? So the answer, guys, is Mark Bergevin of the Montreal Canadiens, the 18th place guy whose job was pretty much gone about a month ago. He was done. No one his, wanted him back. No one thought he was going to come back. saved by his team overperforming, basically. Yep, exactly. And let, let's not take away from Mark Bergman because he did do some great moves. Tyler Toffoli was maybe one of the best signings last offseason. Yes, huge. It was – it made Jim – the fact that Jim Benning didn't lose his job after, after that signing happened for the price it was is mind-boggling. Um, he brought in Josh Anderson, shipped out Max Domi, who seemed to have a bit of a rocky relationship with management and coaching. And Josh Anderson performed really well with the Montreal Canadiens. Mm-hmm. They were 18th place. They were fourth in one of the worst divisions this year. Call it what it is. The Canadian division was a bad division. I know they're up 2-1, right? It's the playoffs. Anything can happen. I'm not trying to take away from the Montreal Canadiens. They didn't cheat. They didn't do anything wrong. They're where they are. They deserve to be where they are. But he should not be GM of the year. Not even nominated. No. that should, I don't know why that's even in talks. Like, doesn't make any sense. And realistically, with, with this award, and it's funny that I'm getting this work up about it because really, it really doesn't matter. Because no. um, GM of the year award should go to the team that wins the Stanley Cup. That's that's all it should be. That's basically what it is, right? Like, they, yeah. No, I don't think any GM cares about that award, to be completely no. honest. They, they only care about winning and... So that's the ultimate prize for them. So, Exactly. And why is the voting after round two? Because it's voted on by GMs, writers, and I think NHL executives on who gets GM of the year. It's after round two, which makes no sense to me because you're because th- this is why Bergevin's in here, because he's got recency bias on his side. Because yeah. he's, he's, his team and Habs fans, whatever, you're going to disagree with me here. They're where they shouldn't be. They're there all credit to them they've surprised everyone right everyone yeah, had the leaves let's be real they, with ourselves here <laughs> we know that exact. they aren't supposed to be here yes and that's not to insult them that's just a you know a, a true statement <laughs> to so to say um so he's got that recency bias on his side and even the other two i like i think bill zito's good in there right like he brought in uh man who you know duclair bennett uh, just incredible moves that he made to make Florida second in their division this year. 
and kind of get back into relevance. But like a guy like Lula Amorello, what, what did he like again in terms of the award of of the year? Mm-hmm. You know, we traded away Devontae's for nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess he signed Barzell to the extension. He picked up Paul Mary, but like I I don't know. It just I, this I award guess should just he's Stanley kept Cup. like a a well rounded team, right? And he's been able. He's getting like they're all buying into the system that it's working, mm-hmm. but. I, wouldn't you say that's almost more trots doing that exactly and that's man i don't know if you saw that ballot but the trots got what like one third place vote for yeah. best coach robbed like oh my god so weird. yeah yeah no like that really lula morello hasn't changed much in the last year right it's kind of just been okay i've assembled this throughout my short time here and now it's just kind of like it's all on the players and trots now and they've done a great job they're in the conference finals and two wins away from going to the cup finals so it's something i shouldn't be getting so worked up about (laughs) it's a stupid award i you're right the gms probably don't care because they care more about the stanley cup but i just mark bergevin should not be there we had some other awards jacob slavin wins the lady bing for most gentlemanly player i think that's voted on by the players as well so yeah, can't really congrats say about that right no debate congrats there. to him exactly um alexander barkov wins the frank j selkie so it didn't go to bergeron this time on his 10th nomination it uh i think this is his first selkie win i believe if I'm so correct so uh what do you what do you think do you think i think he deserved it i mean i don't know i i, I don't know if he was selkie performing um that like to that mm-hmm. extent right but he is a great player so like i'm not gonna be upset about it i still think bergeron should have won this year but yeah he really is though he's just the most complete player bergeron mm-hmm. when you think about it yeah i i'm i'm fine with barkov winning again i i think if you ask barkov i mean that's kind of a i think that award's different though i think being kind of classified as a complete player i think some players take pride in that i'm sure bergeron does so have some uh news here that just came out golden knights general manager kelly mccrimmon has tested positive for COVID 19 um which i don't know what that means for the game tonight just because if he's been around players or what the other test results are going um i will try and see if anything comes up here on twitter uh Rod Brindamore had a big week. Not only did he re-sign a new contract extension with the Carolina Hurricanes to stay behind the bench, he also won Coach of the Year. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's fair. He had a great. He did great with them, and he definitely deserves the extension. So. Yep, I be, I believe he took a pay cut too, um, oh, so he? that they can try and get some of his surrounding staff back, which nice. is that's huge. You know, good on Rob. Good. Yeah, Rob Brindamore. That guy could still play in the NHL. He is just yoked. <laughs> He's <laughs> scared, man. How? Why? It, no one would get in a screaming match with him, man. He would bulldoze you. Be the hardest worker on the ice. Um, he'd be coach. He'd be coaching from. He'd scratch someone, then he'd take the ice to go play. Yeah, I wanted to ask your opinion on this. Now, um, I'm sure you saw this with Kaprizov. Yep. Um, in Minnesota down. have gone cold and he's in Moscow right now uh, talking about signing with a team in the KHL 
So from what I've read, it's it's the term that they're really off on. So uh, the Wild, obviously, if we talked about it a few episodes ago, they offered Kaprizov the eight-year deal. But he doesn't which want that. He wants a shorter-term deal, which I don't blame him. He He doesn't know <laughs> what he has in Minnesota, right? He doesn't know what he has in Minnesota, and he knows there's no point of locking him into a long contract because if he keeps playing like this and getting better, he's going to make a ton more money on the free agent market in three or four years. Mm-hmm. So why lock yourself into an eight-year deal with a team that maybe by year four <laughs> you don't want to be there anymore? But if you're the Wild, just why not sign him? You know, like try – just get him back. You guys finally have someone to make you relevant. Don't, don't let him go to the KHL, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's – I, I don't think you should be scared as a Minnesota fan, but at the same time, it is a little unsettling to think about because um, that's that's your guy now, and he doesn't want to be there for that long. And it might it, I don't even know if it's the Minnesota thing, right? I'm not I'm not an insider here. I, from Minnesota seems like a nice place, like St. Paul. It's not a, a big city like New York or Chicago or L.A. or anything like that. But I. I don't know if he'd want to stay there, but again, it's just he he's doing this the right way. Why would he lock himself into a contract with not as much money when he knows he's going to make a ton more in three or four years because he's probably going to be one of the best wingers in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's going to be an interesting situation to see where that goes with the Wild. I hope they get him back. I really want to see him keep playing in the NHL because he is an absolute beast yeah, he's of fun. a man. He's he turned an entire franchise around from irrelevant to one of the most fun teams to watch this year. Yeah. Like one of you, I think you have a, I think your brother's a wild fan, right? If I'm he correct. Is, yeah. When have you ever sat down before Kaprizov got there and said, man, I can't wait to watch this Minnesota wild game tonight. Uh, we, my brother barely even watches the games until uh, <laughs> this year. With uh, He was excited about Talbot early, the way he was playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that stuck, and then Kaprizov, you know. It was fun to watch, and he actually he has this weird superstition. He doesn't like watching the games because he feels like they win when he isn't paying attention. And it seems to work. It does. Did he watch game seven? Um, I think he did. I think he did watch game seven. Oh no! Yeah. Well, so. we'll put we'll put the loss on on him then. Yeah, it's his fault. Um, Wild fans. But yeah, no, it's I I definitely sat down and watched a lot more Minnesota games this year just after I saw Kaprizov popping off. A lot of players took steps this year in Minnesota. That back end, that uh, top four, those two top four pairs there, they seem to gel well together and kind of were able to lock teams down. Were maybe one of the more underrated decors in the league and you had guys like joel erickson and kevin fiala after a slow start he kind of started firing the puck in the net lots so yeah yeah if you're the wild please please try and get him back don't let us lose caprizov man that guy's gonna be a star new york rangers signed head coach gerard gallant and it'll be i can't wait to see in two or three years when he's fired um after their top of the top of the league because that just seems to be the shelf life for Gerard Gallant. No team ever wants to keep him. I don't know why cuz all he ever does is make hockey teams good. Yeah, I I really had wished that he went to Seattle, but I know he had said that he didn't want to start with another team again that wasn't built. He had his fun in Vegas, I guess, and wasn't ready to do it again. Um There's no there's no strip for him to go if the team's bad. You can't exactly. go. <laughs> 
can't go blow all his earnings if <laughs> if yeah. the team sucks in Seattle. So yeah, I don't I don't know why people don't keep him. I think it was a good choice by the Rangers, and I think as a Rangers fan, you just get more and more excited after every year for what's to come for them. I saw a tweet. Um, it was like, don't take a, a five minute penalty though, because you're gonna you'll lose a series or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no. Because he was in Florida, remember? And then Florida was, what, one of the top teams in the NHL. And then I think they started slow the next year, and they fired him and, like, called him an Uber to the airport. Yeah. (laughs) Which was not the neatest way to go out. And then in Vegas, an expansion franchise, took him to the finals. nowhere, he was gone. Took them to the finals in in their first year. The next year, they came back as one of the top teams again, kind of collapsed in Game 7 against the Sharks. And then kind of, they were, I think they were one win out of first in the Pacific and they just canned him and brought him Pete DeBoer. And I mean, it's worked out for nights, I'd say. They've still been successful, but. It was just weird. Uh, I think that, I think Rangers, he seems like a player's coach, right? Or he kind Big of time, knows yeah. how to, he knows how to deal with different personalities and ages and. Yeah, I think uh, that's going to be the biggest thing there is the Rangers, they, there's just something there that they need. They, hasn't been figured out yet um but i think it's definitely going to help with guys like lafreniere and kako i think he's just going to tell them to go out and do what they need to do um they have a young team yeah i think he's going to help that team i think he's it might be the piece they need to start gelling together i can't i didn't watch a lot of rangers games this year in fact i barely watched i maybe didn't even watch one i'll be honest i think just the one against washington where i knew there was going to be some stuff happening um after the tom wilson incident yeah david there was a lot of rangers fans didn't like david quinn said he wasn't good with the young guys was that just kind of like with deployments he just never played him or didn't put him in the right situations or his system sucked i think it was a system a more system thing just the way he played with them from what i heard Mm -hmm. is kind of how it, it just didn't work with those younger guys and sometimes you just need to find something for them and we see it with lots of contradicting coaches and star players sometimes they just don't work together yeah well new york you've got your coach now i i don't think if you do bad you can blame it on gallant i it's we talked the rangers a few years ago they came out and said we're going in a rebuilding direction and they have it was a accelerated rebuild it helped that they won the lottery twice got caco and lafreniere it's time to to start turning the ship next year because Got guys like Panarin, who's in their prime. Zabinijad's in his prime. You got two goalies that are about to enter theirs. You got to try and uh, get, gotta get it rolling. Got to get it rolling come next year. Jason Spezza re-signs at league minimum with the Toronto Maple Leafs, which uh, I don't know if you saw his quote. I did. He said he would have signed for less if the league let him, which I thought was pretty cool. He is eligible. That means he will be eligible for the expansion draft but he will probably retire if Seattle took him. Yeah. Um, Yeah, after that quote comes out, just got to think about some other players on that team, maybe taking a a lesson from that, hey? (laughs) Maybe maybe a few, a (laughs) couple. Oh, man. I don't... You know what, though? Spezza made his money in his career. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I don't think Spezza was... I mean, I can't remember if he took pay cuts in in Ottawa or anything, but I, I'm sure he was asking for some pretty nice deals when him and Alfredson oh, yeah. were running the show there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
But good on Spezza, and he was great. He was one of the Leafs' best forwards in, exactly. in that first round. Yeah, almost – he might even be 40 now. He's almost 40 years old. Yeah. I, if you're Seattle, I think we said this when Spezza was put on waivers, and he said he'll retire if anyone claims him. Just fucking take him. Yeah. And then he retires, and then the, the Leafs don't have him. Then they can't deploy him. Yeah, seriously. Just take you his know, rights, screw him over a bit. Yeah, that. I mean, it would be a dick move to do, Still but funny. <laughs> it, it would be Leafs. Leafs fans would be crying everywhere yeah. over that. Um, so yeah, Spetz's Spetz's back. He said he wants to win with that group, and well, uh, you you do you, Spetza, because it's gonna be on you from what it seems. I, I I don't know if you saw this post. People were posting again the the receipt from Boston's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> night on the town after winning 10 years or yeah 10 years ago now their bar tab was $156,000 have it right here so yeah where so 35 Jagger bombs was one of the things on this it's 136 for me is they bought a $100,000 bottle of champagne, champagne. that they probably Ace just meters. sprayed all over each other yep um that you know what that's probably the equivalent to the damages done to Vancouver in the riot. I don't know is that is that an accurate? <laughs> I think we marked up the numbers a bit more than that. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh god. I just want to know who like the one guy who bought a a Corona was. Who was the one guy that got a Corona? Who would have been on that team? Um, Rooch. Uh, also just like Berger. one Heineken. They got some people just got some <laughs> weird drinks. I think it's probably Tim Thomas got the Heineken and then just went home. Yeah, <laughs> He's like, hey, guys, I'm to training camp tomorrow, right? Yeah, seriously. Luch is, Luch is getting his head dunked in the Stanley Cup. Yeah, no, that bill. God, that blows my mind. I'm like a $100,000 bottle of champagne. You know how long it's going to take me to even make $100,000? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's oh a nice night God. out. Yep. Yeah. I mean, hey, you, it's uh, you work your whole life for that, right? To you train and yeah, die and all that the, stuff. That's on the team's tab, right? And the the team does yeah. not care at that point. If you win, they don't. Money is not an option. Like, oh yeah, hundred fifty. Oh, they hundred thousands of dollars is thrown out every day. Yeah. And especially with the Bruins, man, they're one of the richest, top five richest franchises. So they don't care. They got yeah. money to burn. Um, Chicago Blackhawks have had their name uh, in a lot of sweepstakes and stories recently now there is the sexual assault story that i don't know if you've seen that around on social media so basically during the blackhawks um stanley cup run i think it was 2010 their first one there was a video coach i don't have his name but apparently uh, reportedly sexually assaulting two players and it was reported to management higher-ups like such as stan bowman the president of the Blackhawks and it wasn't reported to the police and it's an awful situation because it taint it's gonna taint what the Blackhawks did the incredible feat that they achieved I mean they were a modern day dynasty in the early 2010s um yeah I don't know if you want to touch on it but it's a uh, a shitty situation it's always tough when that stuff comes out man like you hate to see it and it's just it just hurts everyone especially all the the good fans out there because obviously there's bad people in hockey 
but mm-hmm. it sucks when it gets overshadowed um what the actual hockey community's like is being clouded by people like that and it does suck to see so it's it's a fluid situation moving forward i i don't think anything's settled yet i think it's in court and stuff right now um so i'm not going to comment on it any further right you don't know we don't know the full story so that we're just going to leave it there and hope that this kind of stuff you, you hear less and less of as we get and eventually never because it sucks yeah the blackhawks though on a lighter front have their names entered in three players sweepstakes seth jones dougie hamilton and jack eichel now from what i've heard so from what i've heard is every team is in on eichel i see so well, every many team rumors should be on eichel yeah there's no reason you shouldn't be on eichel um because he's probably not coming back i don't know if you saw elliot freeman he said there's a good chance that him sam reinhardt and rasmus just are all on different teams next year yeah and i hope which so, to be honest i do too i it would change the landscape of the nhl wasn't like the last big trade you can remember like that a star player was shipped carlson eric carlson and he's done nothing since exactly Inj- that was injuries have hurt him that was yeah. a big trade man um yeah you're right it probably it was eric carlson so i don't know but i think in terms of the blackhawks they so for eichel obviously doc's going back the other way that's all i've seen in returns and stuff you're probably giving up you're giving up your first this year probably got to throw in another pick and some prospects there's a lot of like trade scenarios and stuff but doc's gone interesting with dougie hamilton the hawks are saying they're looking at him because they do need a top right shot defenseman boquist and mitchell the problem with them is they're going to be good one day, but they just are not good enough to log those top minutes yet. It's yeah. shown the last two years with Boquist. He has really been struggling defensively anyways. Yeah, and I like <laughs> and him too. So He is fantastic. He came back off the protocol list this year from COVID, and he looked like dynamite. He was skate skating super well. He didn't look phased by it at all, right? He was breaking the puck out cleanly, which has been such a problem for him since coming into the league. But even like a guy like Ian Mitchell, who had his first year in the NHL, going to be a great player, but he was he got bullied lots. He was pushed around and had some mental errors, and I don't know what you're – you can't expect anything else from a 22-year-old rookie, right? But no. it would help the Hawks to maybe have a stabilizing top defenseman to maybe give those guys lower some lower minutes and some learning experience below – that Tom and it's and not have to go up against the league's best forwards and get burned and abused in their own ends. So, but with the Blackhawks, they said with Hamilton, it'd have to be the right price. Hawks, I've read something. They have 41 players under contract with like nine or 10 to sign. So they're going to be moving some players. Dylan Strom has been the biggest one talked about. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like you could put him in a package for either a Jones or an Eichel. If you're trading for them, Seth Jones, apparent they're asking for a lot for Seth Jones, and I, I don't think Columbus is really in the position to be asking for a ton. Probably not. They like they don't really have any power. Like it was Doc a first, Boquist or Mitchell. Like no, no and <laughs> I I love Seth Jones, but no way we're not. I 
maybe Would someone else not give up give up more for that. They might want to shop around a bit, but you know, Eichel for Jones. Yeah, <laughs> Eichel goes to one dying franchise over to another. Yeah, I've seen him. Like he's some of the front runners I've seen have been Columbus and Anaheim for Eichel, which is not great. Oh, Anaheim boy. not too bad, but who would Anaheim? I feel like if you're Anaheim, man, stay with what you got. Yeah, I think they should take it slow. I don't think they should lose anything, but you never know. Like, it depends what you gave up, but... If you're losing Zegras, no way. Yeah, Gibson. I'm not, I... Ooh. That'd be neat. Yeah. I kind of... I feel like they'd probably wait to see on what Allmark does in mm-hmm. Buffalo. That's true. Uh, very, very fluid situation moving on. We had player polls this week, too. I don't know... We can run through them quickly. So these are all just voted on the by the players, which, if we really think about it, probably means more than to anything. the players than the awards because yeah. it's your competition. So um, have you seen these polls, by the way? I, I don't think so. Okay, well, perfect. I'm going to let you guess then. So Sweet. on ice, who is the best goal scorer? Matthews. Matthews came in at first at 46%. Ovechkin came in second at 33%. So Ovechkin is... Uh, Matthews is starting to overtake Ovechkin. Yeah. And these are just voted on by all the players on the team. So like Pasternak at 6%. A lot of that's probably the Bruins, yeah, right? You obviously. have to think team votes and stuff like that. Connor McDavid coming in at 4 Who is the best defenseman? Um, I'd go with Hedman, probably. And this is telling... And this proves our point that he is the best defenseman in the world, okay? Players voting. 64.7% voted Hedman as the best. The next closest is Roman Yossi at 7. Dang. <laughs> that is almost a 50... That That is. That's more than a 50% difference yeah. of so that's voting lot, for Hedman. Right? Yeah. Uh, Makar came in just behind... Or him and Yossi and Makar tied at second, and then Doughty... And Carlson following after. Best goalie? Uh, that one I'll go with Vassy as well right now. Vasilevsky came in at first at 54%. Next closest was Mark andre Fleury at 8.8. Heavy drop-off, then Carey Price at 8.25. Connor Hellebuck at 5%, and then Tuka Rask at 4. Who is Who do you think got voted the most complete player? So it's a tie. There's two people at the same percentage here. Uh, I'll go with Bergeron. Okay. And I guess Barkov would be the safest bet for me. But Both Patrice Bergeron and Sidney Crosby were voted at 23.78% um, from uh, the league. Alexei Barkov came in at third. This one kind of shocked me a little bit that it's this low. Connor McDavid at 7.22. Maybe people just don't think about him as much, right? In that In those talks? I guess everyone, yeah, everyone knows him for his offense. Yeah. Right? That he's always, whenever you see highlights of McDavid, it's usually him just bursting in. Skating, in his, yeah, skating from his own end into the other. So, um, if you need to win one, this is a thing the players voted on too. If you need to win one game, who is the one player from any position you would want on your team? Who do you think the players picked? McDavid. McDavid came in at first at 36%. Crosby was second at 23 and then it drops off to, looks like team votes for everyone. McKinnon at five, mm. Bergeron four, Vasilevsky four, Patrick Kane at three. Yeah, I think you have to take McDavid at this point, right? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't. Who has the best shot? Oh, <laughs> I'll go with Ovi. That yeah, Ovi came in at first at forty nine percent. Matthews at second with twenty eight. Can you tell me who came in third? So it was Ovi Matthews. Uh, <laughs> you get this, I'll be shocked. Uh, okay, what a, can I put? Just say my opinion on this one. Sure, I'll just go with like Stamkos because he's crazy. Shea Weber oh came my in at God. third at five point four five point zero four percent. Noted sniper Shea Weber. <laughs> now this it's category is best shot, not hardest. And- I, he definitely has maybe the hardest. The best shot, though? Guys. Weird. Come on. Yeah, like, look, these are the names he beat out. Patrick Laine came fourth. McKinnon, fifth. Pasternak, sixth. Yeah. yeah, I just went with something weird with Stamkos there, but Shea Weber was <laughs> way up. You had, the, you had one of the S's, right? <laughs> um, who is the best stick handler? I, I feel like people are still going with Kane. Yep, forty nine percent. Kane, Connor McDavid at second at twenty five. Then it goes McKinnon, Matthews, Barzal, and then Barkov. Who is the best passer? That one's tough. That one's hard. I ah, oh, I can't even. I don't know if I even have a guess to be honest. Nicholas Backstrom came in at number one at twenty percent. Uh, Kane came in just under him at 20.3% as well. I guess Backstrom was at 207 Two guys on the Edmonton Oilers. Leon Dreisaitl was voted a better passer than Connor McDavid by, by over nine percentage points. Weird. Like, I was I, I was obviously thinking Dreisaitl, but I wouldn't have picked him first. Like, I, I'm sure I knew he would have been in there, but that's a pretty hefty number. <laughs> I, you you do you players i guess uh <laughs> marner marner coming in behind mcdavid and then crosby behind marner i think there's a few more here um that one these kind of just look like stupid <laughs> ones yeah though we pretty much got through all the important ones so again i think those are some um cat like categories i think that mean more to the players right if yeah, your competition is voting that you're the best yeah then i think you could probably believe it and that probably feels better than a trophy with a plaque on it voted on by writers and execs and stuff that's all i had for today did you have anything else you wanted to touch on no but i'm proud of myself i guess pretty good on those polls you did <laughs> you should have kept track <laughs> I'll put like a little test. sound effects every time I get one right. <laughs> um, but no, uh, I, I'm all good. Cool. Well, I don't think they're doing just one last check of Twitter here, and it doesn't look like there's anything breaking here. So that's all we've got for today. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers oh, yeah. out there. Happy Father's Day. Probably should have started off with that. Yeah, sorry, Dad. <laughs> Hopefully you listened to the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, my, I don't even think my dad would know how to get a podcast <laughs> on his phone. So, <laughs> um, Happy Father's Day, everyone. Enjoy your week, and we'll talk to you uh, next Sunday. Peace out.